Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn and Charged. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It's only $35 for the first year. That is Zlotty's a day. And you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. And thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. It's kind of a treat today. Catherine Voyles holds a PhD in English from the University of California at Irvine in English. She's a literary scholar, and yet she writes now about national defense issues in culture and also the cultures of national defense issues. And she's been writing great stuff for places like Small Wars and uh, Public Books. And I think she's going to be a really good person to talk to today. She is also a self-described lady playing along at home. This is a great phrase, comes from my friend Karen Schwartz, who never fails to get these epigrams right. A lady playing along at home, I think, works for all genders, and it's the freshest way to say concerned citizen. Because there's an element, whether we like it or not, of having to play la faire russe, la faire ukraine, la faire Trump, sit home, be a concerned citizen, and yet coordinate small efforts among your circle to demonstrate, to donate to candidates, to just stay informed and immune to disinformation. And so I think there's a role for ladies, again, of all genders, playing along at home. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Glad to be here. You're one of my favorite types to have encountered on Twitter. Not that you're a type because you combine PhD in English, dear to my own heart. But you also have somehow found this niche writing about the way national defense issues play out in culture and then the culture of national defense issues. Tell me what lady playing along at home means to you. So I stole it from Karen Schwartz. To me, what it means is we all have a role to play and we are all going to bring our full selves, but also different pieces of ourself to this time. What really stuck out to me and probably the time that I really remember it first was around the issue of taxes and Mm -hmm. tax returns, which has been an ongoing theme for a number of years now. And I think what happened was one of Donald Trump's sons had said something to the effect of, you know, and they do this periodically. Well, if we release the tax returns, you know, people wouldn't understand them. (laughs) I think her response on Twitter was, people understood Paul Manafort's tax returns. (laughs) Right. Just that sense that like even things that are complicated and sort of exist in um, specialized realms can be and should be and we can make them accessible for ourselves. And that was just really attractive to me and important to me. Yeah. You know, I was just listening to Julie Brown, the heroic Miami Herald reporter who broke the most recent iteration of the Jeffrey Epstein story and, you know, sort of owned that story. She herself has a remarkable life story of in some ways being a lady playing along at home, although she always worked as a journalist. But she also did factory work and waitress work. Um, And uh, 
And she also, apparently lots of people had sent away for certain documents pertaining to the Epstein case, but she's the only one who read them. They said, well, nobody ever came back to us after we got them the documents. And there is an element. And, you know, it's not just that there are many educated people, underemployed and overeducated people, um, you know, out there. And, you know, you're probably one of them as a lecturer with the highest degree you can get in the humanities. But we have these excesses not just of education, but of a moral sense that never got compromised, just out of luck. And that's, I think, what happened to Julie Brown, that she just had been working and raising her kids for so long, also raised by a single mother, also a single mother. She never faced the enticements of getting on a yacht or flying into Teterboro. And so she 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 stayed aloof from all that. Um, and I imagine you did too, and then was able to read the current situation with some clarity and some courage that you get as especially as a middle-aged woman, where you have much less to lose. And that, I think, emboldened her to be able to talk about this. And I know that's been Karen Schwartz's, even Molly McHugh's experience, and maybe yours too. And that's where the lady playing along at home, I think, comes in, that so many new perspectives that we've gotten uh, you know, via mostly via Twitter, but but just contributions that so many people have been able to make to this, either because they have an area of expertise or they just have a clear head or they're just willing to, you know, like like the little drummer boy, like bring their own little gift to the table. And it's really has been a fascinating education that way. So, OK, culture of defense and of NATSEC. Writing about that has led you to write recently a piece about, I may not be getting the order right, but you've written about La Faire Russe and especially the literature of La Faire Russe. You've written about reading and not reading the Mueller report and about Jim Mattis. So mm-hmm. let's talk about each of those things, starting with Mattis. One of the things that I find most fascinating about the space that Jim Mattis occupies in our culture today is how much people have been talking about him. Mm. He has, of course, spoken. He has famously spoken relatively little and has sometimes not spoken, it seems like, into the issues that people wish that he was speaking into. And what gets missed, I think, in that is his long history of speaking and writing. I think that he was often framed as a reader during Mm. his time as Secretary of Defense. The president would refer to him as Mad Dog. Other people would call him, you know, like the warrior monk. But he was not framed as a writer. And I found that particularly interesting because H.R. McMaster was almost indistinguishable from his position as the um, author of Dereliction of Duty. Um, So when I was thinking about Jim Mattis's retirement, uh, the announcement that he had written a book with Bing West, and then the release of that book, it caused me to go back to think, what are some previous pieces of writing that he has done? And I didn't hit all of them, but at least three of them were. He very famously wrote a letter as the commanding general of the 1st Marine Division. He was a a two-star general. He was a major general at that point. Mm -hmm. He wrote a very famous letter to to all hands, uh, which would have been about 20,000 people, Hmm. uh, maybe a little bit more. Wow. Uh, So that, of course, would have been 2003. After he retired from the Defense Department, he went to the Hoover Institute, where he worked editing a book with Corey Shockey called Warriors and Citizens. I just find that book so instructive. 
To me, there's a big literature on civil-military relations. I'm familiar with only some of it because it's such a large body, but this is just a book that is so amazing about distilling down a couple of key elements. One is high distrust of institution among Americans today. Two is the fact that even in the face of that, the military measures out with really high trust among Americans. And three is a lot of people, despite the fact that we have 18 years of ongoing war and have produced a lot of veterans and have a lot of service members, we still have a lot of Americans don't necessarily understand the military. Yeah. And then, the, of course, the resignation letter, which I think is probably the most read of those three documents and probably in that sense doesn't need quite as much explanation. So tell us, because I haven't read Warriors and Citizens or Call Sign Chaos, what did you make of him as a stylist? I do think that in that sense, probably the most direct one is the letter to all hands in terms of the style, because I think that it gets his conciseness, his ability to deal with large sweeps of time Mm -hmm. and big ideas very directly. And that's something that I find very attractive in his writing. That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.